Amen, amen. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, band. That was awesome. Guys, go ahead and take a seat. What is up? Welcome back to Salt Company Spring Semester. Here we are. Good to be with you guys. Thank you for the three people that responded. Thank you, Mason. Yes, thank you. There we go. Let's do that again. What's up, Salt Company? How we do tonight? Yeah! And now I will grab my LaCroix and shock. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Yeah, that's a, Briar's a one-hit wonder with that. But good evening, guys. My name is Travis. I get to serve on staff here as a co-director uh, alongside Mariah, if we have not, met, not yet met. It is great to be with you. Uh, last week, we kind of kicked off our It Matters series with Briar. He brought the heat with uh, talking about godliness, why godliness matters to God, why that matters to us as Christians, why it should matter. And, and that's kind of the series that we're going through. We're talking about different things that should matter to us as Christians. They matter to God. They should matter to us. And tonight, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite relationship status, singleness. Yes, this is why you guys have come. Yes, singleness. As we get there, let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever received a gift that you have not wanted? Like, have you ever gotten a gift that you didn't really want? Maybe it was a birthday uh, present from a parent. Uh, you didn't really want it. Or maybe your grandma knitted you something. Maybe it was some undies or some socks. I don't know. You didn't really want it for Christmas. But for, for me, the gift that I just think of when I think of the gift that I don't really want was a gift I got for Christmas when I was nine years old. And so take a journey with me down memory lane. This is the scene, nine-year-old Travis, he's w- woken up Christmas morning, he's, he's so excited to get the gifts, you know why? Because my dad gives the best gifts, like the best gifts. Uh, I, we're coming off like back-to-back years of the best gifts possible. Uh, he got me a Nerf bazooka one year, me and my brothers, like this big old foam, like target bazooka that shot across me, my brothers shot each other with it. My sister, he, he got her some Cabbage Patch dolls. I wasn't really into dolls, but the point is he got us what we actually wanted. He knew what we liked, right? Well, they're, they're ripping into gifts. My siblings are. Uh, my brother, he rips into it. He pulls out, classic, another Nerf gun. Dad nails it. It was awesome, right? Uh, my, my, my sister, she, you know, opens up Barbies or something like that. I can't remember what she opened up. But it, but it gets to my turn. Like, my little nine-year-old, nine-year-old heart is just beating out of its chest, right? Like, I don't know if I had testosterone at that age or not, but something was coursing through my veins. I was so excited to open this thing up. I, I, so I start opening it. It's a, it's a little box. It's, you know, there's stuff cluttering around in it. I'm like thinking maybe it's Legos. I'm a huge Lego fan, all right? Yeah, there we go, Jackson. So I, 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 I pull up, out comes this box of dominoes. Dominoes, okay? I was a nine-year-old kid. What nine-year-old kid wants dominoes for Christmas? This is what I pulled out. I'm like, Dad, are you serious? Like, are you serious, Dad? Get, guys, guess how many times I've played with these dominoes? Like, since I'm, I'm now 25, I was nine years old, right? So 16, if I do my math right, guess how many times I've used those dominoes? Zero. Zero times, right? I was like, Dad, what are you doing? I was the most disappointed I have ever been. And I'm like, I couldn't hide out my face. I felt bad for my dad. But I was like, why would a nine-year-old kid ever want these? And guys, I, I think we often view singleness like the way that I viewed dominoes when I was nine, year, nine years old. Like I, I didn't want it at all. We, we look at singleness and we think it's, it's useless. We're, we're disappointed with it. We have a tendency to view our single relationship status as either a waiting season, season for the real thing of marriage or, or as, as a season to do whatever we want, to build our own little kingdom, to, to do all the things that we want without anyone interfering. That's how we view singleness. But Saul Company, God and his word, it views singleness differently. It views it differently. You see, your primary purpose in your life, why you have breath in your lungs, why you woke up this morning, why you do all the things you do, your primary purpose in this life 
is to glorify God in everything that you do. That is your primary purpose. What is written in the very core of your DNA is to glorify God with all that you are in relationship with him. This means even your relationship status. This means even in singleness. And so tonight, we're going to take a look at singleness from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so if you have your Bibles, feel free to, to open up to there, 1 Corinthians 7. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screens as well. And in there, we're going to see what God has to say uh, about singleness. And we're going to see that singleness is a gift, that singleness requires self-control, and that singleness is temporary. And guys, as you're turning there, just a little bit of context to this book. So we're, we're jumping into the middle of the book of 1 Corinthians in one little chapter. And, and, and there's some context that we need to know. So the, the Corinthians, the, the people who are in Corinthian, uh, Corinth is the name of the town, they were some young Christians, some, some super young Christians. And the culture around them was a culture that glorified sex, money, and power. It was very similar to the culture that we live in, right? It, it glorified these things. And they also hated Christians. They hated Christians. So you have this young church, this young group of Christians trying to follow Jesus, but they're swayed by a little bit by what's going on in the culture around them. They don't really know what to do. And so they write this letter to Paul about a bunch of different stuff. But particularly in chapter 7, Paul, he's going to respond to some of these questions they had about sex, about marriage, and about singleness. And so that's where we're at. We're going to dive in here in verse 7. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. We're going to start off with looking at singleness is a gift. All right, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. This is Paul talking. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and, and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. All right, Paul is saying singleness is a gift from God. Now, now you may be wondering, like, do I have this gift, right? And you guys may be wondering if that. So I just want you to go ahead and raise your hand if you are not married. Wow, look at that. Congratulations, you have this gift. Well done. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you so happy? Oh, those dominoes are so great, right? No, uh, <laughs> uh, man, guys, you have the gift of singleness, right? And Paul says to stay as you are. It's the best possible state to be. Isn't that amazing? Oh, right, no. Now raise your hand if you think Paul is a little bit crazy, right? I'll be honest, when I read these verses, like when I was a single man, I'd read that and I, th I would think like, if singleness is a gift, can I get you know, a gift receipt? Can I get a refund for that? Because I'm not a huge fan of it. And yes, guys, I'm married now. I'm married now. My, my wife is right up here, Vanessa. She works on staff with Salt Company. It's awesome. She's awesome. But how can a married man talk to a bunch of single people about singleness? Like, what is my credit to do this? Like, I'm married now. Well, believe it or not, I was single for 24 years of my life. So, I have a little bit of skin in the game, and, I, and I, I wrestled deeply with this topic because I sat in seats like you guys. I heard from people like me standing up on stage saying that singleness is a gift, and you need to use it for all it's worth. And, and guys, like I understood maybe that that's what the Bible said, but I didn't actually believe it in my heart. I didn't believe it in my heart, and what that meant was that I didn't view it as a gift, and it was hard for me to grasp, so I blew a lot of the years of my life, a lot of the single years of my life, chasing after things that did not matter, my eyes focus on things that would not satisfy my soul. And so my hope tonight is that you would actually see the beauty of the gift that singleness really is from God. And that you wouldn't make the same mistakes that I did. And not waste the gift like I did for so many years. You see, I know that for many in this room, I know this, you had the same view that I did. You have the same view as I did. Your perspective of singleness, it views it more as a burden than a gift from God. Right? You, you, you desire to be married to somebody. 
You you desire to be known intimately and to know someone the same. You view your present relationship status kind of like purgatory. it's, It's a waiting period before the real thing. And I know that some of you maybe view your singleness maybe a little bit differently, right? Maybe it's, a, it's ultimate freedom. No one can tie you down. You can do whatever you want with your money. You can travel wherever you wish. You can hook up with whoever you want to. You don't have that ball and chain of commitment holding you back. And guys, both of those views are not what's going on here in 1 Corinthians. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, what does Paul mean? What does he mean that singleness is a gift? And if that is true, then what is the purpose of this gift? What is the purpose of singleness? We need to acknowledge that there's a disconnect between what God's word says and what we believe and see. And guys, I think as humans, we rightfully recognize that something in our lives is incomplete, right? We, we, we long for something to fulfill us, to, to give us purpose, to satisfy our innermost being, our, our soul. And so often our first steps in, in filling that void, right, is pursuing relationships, we are lonely, so we seek companionship. We, we desire sexual fulfillment, so we pursue people to please ourselves. We desire affirmation, so we dress certain ways and we post things on our Instagram accounts. We desire to be desired, so we do whatever it takes to receive attention. The issue, Salt Company, is that none of those things that you pursue, none of those things that I pursue through, through earthly relationships will ever complete us. Guys, Marriage will not complete you. It will not complete you. Fulfilling your sexual desires, whatever those may be, they will not complete you. You were created with the desire to be completed by relationship. You were. But the only relationship that will complete you is one through Jesus Christ. One with Jesus Christ. Salt Company, marriage and sex, they will not fulfill you and they will not complete you. And trust me, this is my story. I know this is true because this is my story. Believing that marriage and sex would fulfill all the desires of my heart. And guys, so when I got married, in a way I was disappointed. And it wasn't because of anything that my wife did. My wife is amazing. It was not because of anything she did. It was because of my own heart. I placed so much emphasis on an idol And so while marriage and sex within the covenant of marriage, they are amazing gifts from God, they did not satisfy my soul. They did not complete me because they were never designed to. They were never designed to complete my soul. Paul, the the dude who wrote this letter to Corinthians, he's one of the greatest and most influential Christians of all time. In fact, I would say he is the most greatest and influential Christian of all time. He was a single man. And let me ask ask you, was Paul not complete? C.S. Lewis, I'm sure many of you guys have heard of him, one of the greatest Christian philosophers of all time. He was single for all but four years of his life when he married, married a woman simply so she could gain citizenship into the United Kingdom. There's maybe some stuff wrong with that. But the point is, was he not complete? Corey Tenboom, I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She was a woman who lived during World War II in Hungary, and she, she leveraged her life in order to, 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 to save Jews from the Nazis, from exterminating them. And she would not have been able to do what she was doing if she had a family. Was she not complete? Guys, was, was Jesus, was he complete? You will only ever feel fully and truly completed through Jesus Christ. The chasm you fill in your heart is a hole in which only relationship with God who created you can meet. Satisfaction, worth, value, it's only found in him. So what that means is your primary identity, it should not be in whether you are single, you're engaged, or you're married. 
The gospel of Jesus says that your primary identity ought to be in Christ, who died and gave himself up for you, who said, through faith in me and what I did on the cross, you become a child of God. That is your primary identity if you place your faith in Jesus. And guys, I do want to say it is a good thing and it is okay to, to want to be pursued, to want love and want to pursue a relationship. Like those are good things. I'm not trying to say those are bad. Those are very good things and good desires. But what's truly going to satisfy you is only found in Jesus. Guys, I want to say all that just to say that your singleness, it's not just a, a blip on the radar of your life or, or a waste of a season. You are single for a purpose. If you're here and you're single, you are single for a reason. And it's not because of your external or your internal qualities. No, the, the, the reason that you are single is that, so that you would live in undivided devotion to the Lord. That is the purpose of your singleness, that you'd live in undivided devotion to Jesus. That is the purpose of your singleness. Look down at, at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 32 and 34. We're going to skip down a little bit here. Paul, he writes letters really weird. He bounces around a whole lot. So he talks about a bunch of other stuff, and he gets back to the topic of singleness. So look at me in, in verse 32. It says, Paul saying, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried, the single man, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man, he's anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the same for women, the unmarried or betrothed woman, which means engaged, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So what are we seeing here, right? Is Paul saying that marriage is bad or inferior than singleness, right? No, not at all. If you know Paul in some of his letters, he wrote one of the most amazing passages in all of scripture about marriage in Ephesians chapter five. Go check it out sometime. And, and again, in 1 Timothy chapter four, verse one through three, right? The Bible loves marriage and Paul knows what it is, but he knows that it is a gift. He's pointing, that, he's point, he's pointing out that the married person, unlike the single person, has something else to focus on. When you are single, the only thing you have to do is to faithfully follow the Lord. It's the only thing you have to do. But when you are married, one of your primary responsibilities it, it shifts to caring to the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of your spouse. When you're single, you focus on the Lord, but you have no one else that you are responsible for. And so that's why Paul is saying that when he says singleness is a gift, he, he wishes that all would have it. A gift that allows undistracted attention on the Lord, meaning you can leverage all your time, your money, your resources solely to serve the Lord. So it's all company. Do you see how singleness is a gift by what Paul is saying? And if you, if you do see it's a gift, or maybe you don't, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you thanked God for your singleness because of the freedom that it gave you to pursue him? See, God, he desires to use you in a unique way in this season of your life. And I want you to be able to say that you leveraged it for the things that mattered most. Don't be like me in my single years. Don't just get through it. Realize that God has a purpose for you right now in this, and it is a gift to you. Pursue him wholeheartedly. So that was the first point. Singleness is a gift. And the second thing that we're going to see tonight is that singleness, it requires self-control. So look at, back to verse 9. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9. It says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. 
And guys, the word passion here, it, it directly means the sexual desires that you have. And so let me say this, right? The desire for marriage and, and, and the, the sexual desires you have within you, those are not wrong desires. Those are not necessarily wrong desires. They were good desires. You know why? Because they were created by God. In, in, the, in the garden, when we see Adam and Eve made, we see that they, they had desire for each other. And so they entered into a, the covenant of marriage. It, it was a beautiful thing. We could take a look at it at a different time. But these are good desires created by God, given to us to enjoy within the boundaries that he created. And what is that boundary? Marriage is the good design and boundary that God created us, created for us to enjoy the gift of sex. But because you are single and you don't have access to God's design for for sex, singleness, it requires self-control over these desires. Right, and often though, we we don't always exercise self-control over that. And it's like a fire. Like a, a fire is a really good thing in the right context, right? In a fireplace, a fire is really good. It warms up the, the room. It gives a nice ambiance. It's, it's great during the Christmas season, right? On a gas stovetop, it boils water. It heats up food. In a fire pit, it allows you to cook s'mores. I love s'mores, right? Fire can be a really good thing. But when fire gets out of those boundaries, when it gets outside of what it's supposed to contain, it, what does it do? It burns things. It causes destruction. When fire is not controlled within the boundaries it is intended to be, it destroys the things around it. In Salt Company, the sexual desire that you feel, it's a little like fire. There's a place where, when it's kept within the boundaries that it's designed to be, it is an amazing thing. That boundary is marriage. Union to someone of the opposite sex within the covenant of marriage. The Bible teaches that marriage is the only place in which our sexual desires can be pursued in a God-honoring way. And what makes singleness difficult is the fact that you need to be self-controlled with these desires while you are single. Otherwise, the potential is like fire. It's going to cause destruction in your life. For the Christian, singleness is difficult. You have those still, but cannot pursue ways to do that. And and the issue is that, that sin and culture, it has distorted our view of sex as well. It has distorted our view of sex. Sin, it tempts us to pursue those desires unchecked. Sin says you are the king of the universe. You do whatever you want to make yourself happy. And the, and the culture around us, around us tells us that sexual fulfillment, that is a pinnacle of life. That is what you created for. That's what culture will tell you. That is what your sole purpose is. Our culture glorifies sex and, and normalizes pornography and masturbation. And so you pair that with this desire within us to pursue sexual release. And, and, and so we seek these ways to fulfill these desires outside of the good design that God made. And guys, it's not like Paul is unaware of that, that, that wrestle. He knows firsthand that single people, they, they struggle with loneliness and sexual temptation. Right, for, for me, like, I can totally relate with, relate with this. Like when I was in college, when I was, was your guys' age, I struggled deeply with porn and masturbation. Guys, I had this desire deep within me to be married. Right, and, and to have sex. And like I said, those are good desires from God, but instead of properly controlling the desires that I had, I turned to lust and I turned to pornography. Sexual sins that fueled my burning passions in a way that was destructive to God's original design. I, I didn't view my singleness as a gift. I viewed my singleness and, and sexual desire as a condition to medicate with the sexual sin and pleasure that I could find, whatever I could find it, until I could actually have sex in marriage. Guys, we've become so discontent as we look at our singleness. I was so discontent when I looked at my singleness and the culture around me. 
Our discontentment and loneliness, guys, it, it, it almost always leads to sexual temptation. When Paul says, it is better for you to marry than burn with passion, he doesn't simply mean just get married so that you have sex. Because Salt Company, hear this. You gotta hear this. Marriage is not about sex. It's not primarily about sex. But it is the only place God designed sex to be pursued. So when you hear, it's better for you to marry than burn with passion, I wanna give you a couple caveats as we talk about that. And the first is this. If you struggle with lust now, marriage will not fix that. Guys, I've heard and seen countless stories of guys and girls who have struggled with lust before marriage and then brought that in to, and those struggles with them into marriage. So I'll come to you. If you haven't allowed God through his spirit and the power of the gospel to heal your lust before marriage, marriage will not magically fix that. And yes, it is the only outlet to, to pursue sexual desire in a God-honoring way. It doesn't heal your lack of self-control now or the effects that porn and masturbation leave. Only God can heal those wounds. And trust me, he wants to. He wants to heal those wounds and only the spirit can empower you to be self-controlled. A second caveat I wanna say is that sex doesn't just come whenever you want it in marriage. I think we have this, this thing about marriage where we think, man, we can just get it, get it in whenever we want. But sex is not about you. Sex is not about you. I needed to hear that because culture says sex is about you. Sex is not about you. It's about serving your spouse. It requires pursuing your spouse and serving them in their needs and caring for their spiritual and emotional needs far before their physical needs. A godly marriage requires you to be self-controlled with your desires as you pursue your spouse physically. Those are just a couple of caveats. If you, if you read that, that, that uh, verse, it's better for you to marry than burn with passion. Those are just a couple of things I'm gonna leave you guys with. Guys, you're not married, right? And so what do you do? What do you do with this? It means that the only option for your sexual uh, desires is celibacy. As you are in this season of singleness, sex is not the goal of someday. Sex is a distraction from what God is calling you to do today. If you have the gift of singleness, God has called you to be self-controlled with your sexual desires and pursue him with your life. And guys, this is hard. Right? This is hard to do. It's hard to be self-controlled over these desires. Jesus knows how hard this is in our fallen, sinful, broken world. He was fully human and single. He had sexual desires and faced every temptation that you and I have, but Jesus, he exercised self-control over those desires because he knew that sex was not ultimate and sex was not for him because he was a single man. God knows that singleness is hard in this fallen, broken world. That's why he gave us the gift of marriage too, though. He knows that singleness is not for everyone. That's why he gave us the gift of marriage in parts to pursue those desires. But until you are married, you're called to control those desires. Guys, we just talked about sex quite a bit, right? And we're talking about sex a little bit more in a couple more weeks, okay? So come back, we'll give a little bit more deeper theology of sex and what that all is and, and all that good stuff. You know, that old song by Salt and Pepper. Let's talk about, yeah, that. Anyway, so come back and uh, we'll talk more about that. I just, salt and pepper, we're, anyway. All right, so <laughs> my point is, what Paul's calling us to is to control your desires as a single person. Because if you do not, it's like a fire that gets out of a fireplace. It'll leave parts of your life scarred and broken. And so if this is you, if your story is similar to mine, that you have struggled with self-control in this area of your life, either in the past or right now, and you've screwed up more times than you care to admit. 
if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, yeah, you, you may have messed up, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to remind you of the words of Romans 8, 1. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know in a room like this, statistically speaking, a large majority of the people in this room have struggled with something that we've talked about just now. But know that in Jesus Christ, there's restoration, there's healing. There's no place for shame if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe before you followed Jesus, but if you are in Jesus Christ, there's no place for shame because he has bought you with a price. He has paid for your sin. He is calling you to holiness. Walk in freedom from your shame because of what Christ has done and pursue the design that he has. And so how do you pursue self-control right now? I just wanna give you two quick application points. The first is feed your heart. First is feed your heart. Pursue Jesus through his word. And ask God by his spirit to change your heart and to help you control those desires. Acknowledge that his ways are higher than your ways and his plans are better than yours. 1 Corinthians 6, a chapter right before this, it it, it actually tells us to flee uh, uh, sexual temptations. Flee temptations. Guys, quit flirting with sin and feed your heart. Replace your diet of culture, Instagram, and instant gratification with God's word, with prayer, and with a community of Christians around you that can keep you accountable. Feed your heart. The second is get in community and confess sin regularly. Guys, thankfully, God did not create the Christian life to be alone. Like, I'm a social person. I really like to be around people, but praise God that our our personal walks with Jesus, it was not meant to do it alone. You are meant to be in community. If you're not in a city group, tonight is a great night to get connected. We're gonna have city group leaders go in the back after after, uh, we're done here. Go get connected with somebody. Step into community. Start confessing sins. Surround yourself with people who love Jesus and are trying to be self-controlled because they will help you. Confess sin to each other. Salko, God is calling you to control your sexual desires in your singleness. This is for your good that he calls you to this. Would you trust him in that? And so we see, right, that, that, that singleness is a gift, that a singleness, it requires self-control. And the last thing we're gonna see from 1 Corinthians 7 is that singleness is temporary. Singleness is temporary. And so skip down to verse 29. Chapter 7, verse 29. It says this, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The present form of this world is passing away. A couple years ago, I started uh, working out at a CrossFit gym here in town. Now, I typically work out there four to five days a week. And without a doubt, every morning that I wake up and I go to this gym, I question my existence, okay? I, why am I paying the money that I'm paying to put myself through the excruciating pain that I'm going through? And I'm paying to do this. I, it is mind-blowing to me. Like, what am I doing? This workout sucks. I hate my life. My lungs hate me. My heart is about to explode. I can see the black rings right before you pass out, you know. Uh, working out, it sucks sometimes, Right, but why do I keep doing it? Why don't I just quit every workout in the middle of it, right? Because I know that the present pain of how difficult that is, right, I know it's gonna result in future benefits. At least I'm hoping so. I'm not seeing them yet. But it's good for me, right? It keeps me healthy. In other words, I can't just focus on the workout. I need to remember, like, what's, what's the bigger, better thing? What's actually good for me? Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of the 6 a.m. workout, the sweat, the pain? And the idea that Paul is saying is something similar. 
He's saying life is short. Like a 15-minute workout, life is short. So know why you're doing what you're doing. He says, for the present form of this world is passing away. In other words, don't get distracted by the temporary gifts, the temporary things that we experience in this life. Like we, we are so distracted. I am so distracted. But Salt Company, 80 years. Say you get 80 years on this earth. That, that is nothing. It's as short of a breath. It's shorter than a breath compared to eternity, right? You will not live forever. Your life is temporary. And so that means every gift that we have in this life is temporary. Singleness is temporary. Now, what I mean by that is not that the season of singleness, it's not just a waiting period until it's time for the real thing of marriage. That's not what I mean by singleness is temporary. That's what Paul says when he says, if you're married, live as though you're not. He's saying that something really important that we need to understand. He's saying that marriage is not the ultimate goal. That's what he means. Marriage is not the ultimate end goal. No, he's calling us to have an eternal perspective in this life. Guys, if, if marriage is your end goal, then you will be sadly disappointed because marriage is also temporary. You guys know that there will not be marriage in heaven. All right, go look, Matthew 22, uh, uh, 22, verse 30. He talks about marriage. It does not carry over to heaven. We will not be married in heaven. No, it is a present gift. It's a present picture that points, points us to something great. It's a gift from God in this life that serves the purpose of helping us understand more of who Jesus is and how he sacrificially loves us. That's what marriage is for. It's a picture of the gospel. In other words, marriage is a secondary and temporary picture of the primary and eternal reality of Jesus loving us. Marriage is a secondary and temporary picture of Jesus loving us. Your earthly, physical marriage and your family, it will end. But guys, if you are a Christian, you are part of an eternal spiritual family. Your singleness, your singleness is temporary, but your eternal family, right, that, that is eternal. Your spiritual family, that is eternal. Guys, I do want to say that some of you in this room, like singleness being temporary, it also means that some of, the, some of you in this room, you might not, uh, you might get married someday, but that day is not today. And for others, it, it would mean that God is calling you to a life of singleness. This life is temporary. I mean, singleness, is, it, it, it's temporary either way. Whether you're gonna get married someday or whether you're, you're, you're single the rest of your life, singleness is temporary because this life is temporary. And if you're someone, you might be wondering, is God calling me to life of singleness? That might scare you. That might scare you. But Saul, I promise that as you discern, if you figure out if this is what God is actually calling you to do, I promise you that when you get to heaven, when you get past this temporary life, this temporary relationship status, when you get to heaven, you're not gonna go ask God why you didn't get married. You're not gonna ask him that. You're not gonna stand before him and say you missed out because you were single your whole life on earth. No, you have eternity with Jesus in heaven. Beholding him, and I promise you that is better than any marriage on this earth, better than any relationship on this earth. Guys, this life is temporary. You need to keep that in mind as you go through college, as you go through this life. As you enjoy all the present temporary gifts that God gives you, stay focused on the eternal reality that God has invited you into. In a couple ways, how do you do this? First is maximize your gift. Recognize first that, that it is from God. James 1.17 says that all good gifts come from God. But our life isn't about the gifts that we receive. It's about glorifying God and honoring him in all that we do. 
The gift that you have right now is singleness. Maximize your gift. What does that mean? How can you in every moment leverage this season for God's glory? How can you invest the moments you have right now into the things that really matter? The second thing, focus on eternity. Maximize your gift and focus on eternity. Ask God to help you shift your focus from this life to the next, to turn your eyes from your relationship status, from your present, whatever's going on, and onto him. God, he wants all of your affections and all of your desires. He is jealous for them. If you really want to focus on the Lord with your life, God is willing, he's able, he's eager to help shift the posture of your heart to be focused solely on him. He's been, he's been working with sinners since the day Adam and Eve ate the apple, right? He wants to call people who are prone to wander back to himself. Would you ask him to help you to do that? Paul has shown us, right, in 1 Corinthians 7, that singleness, it's a gift from God, that it requires self-control and that it is temporary. And guys, as we close tonight, I just want to, I was just thinking a few practical things of how can a college student use this gift of singleness well during this season of your life? Like we kind of talked about some broad strokes of how to, be, how to apply this, but I just want to talk about how to maximize your gift of singleness during this season. So I just have four things. The first is heal from past wounds and habitual sins. Habitual means like ongoing, like it's, a, it's a, um, something that you deeply struggle with on a regular basis. How do you do these? How do you heal from past wounds and habitual sins? You seek counseling if need be. You confess to others. You do the hard work now so you can heal and become whole. Sinning and having sin committed against you, it sucks so bad. It really does. It affects everything. But the, the beautiful, glorious thing about the gospel is that Jesus brings restoration. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he hung there for your sin and for those sins committed against you. Use your singleness to become healed from these things. There is no shame in saying that you need help and healing. The second thing is love and serve others sacrificially. You want to maximize your singleness? Love and serve others sacrificially. That means your roommates. That means your city group members. That means serving in a local church. Guys, if you're not serving at City Light, I invite you on a Sunday morning, use your gifts. If you can hang out with kids for an hour, go hang out with kids for an hour. If you want to greet at the door, if you got a nice, bright, cheery face, go greet at the door. Whatever it may be, use your gifts to serve the local church. The third thing I'd say is be discipled by somebody. Guys, you are in a season of life where you are, you are shaped by a lot of different things around you. And so seek someone out who's a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, maybe following Jesus a little bit longer. Ask them to, to show you what it means to follow Jesus. Guys, there's a super easy way to do this. We have been trying to set up uh, some discipleship, and many of you guys have signed up for that. That's awesome. There are, there are people in our church who want to disciple you on a one-on-one -on -one basis. They want to help you figure out what it means to follow Jesus during this season of life. Would you go on our Instagram page? Would you look at that, that uh, sign up for discipleship? Would you put your name down? We'll get you matched up with somebody who can help you figure out what it means to follow Jesus during college. So the last one, the last thing I would say is Go. How do you maximize your singleness well? How do you use your singleness well? Go. What I mean by that is you will never have more freedom and flexibility than right now. What does that mean? Go on a mission trip. Right, next summer, if you're still around, go on a mission trip with Salt. Or, or maybe you're getting ready to graduate. Would you go with a church plant to a different city? At SALT Conference in a couple of weeks, I hope you guys are all joining us, but they're going to be talking about a bunch of different church plants that they're planting around the nation so that we can reach other college students in other cities with the hope of the gospel. Would you consider going? What's holding you back? Go and be a part of God's mission somewhere. 
Last thing I want to say, guys, is what well are you digging in this season of life? As you look over the course of your singleness, how deeply grounded are you in his word, in God's word, experiencing his presence, abiding with him? Because, guys, right now, the well that you're digging with your life, that's what you will be drinking from. God's given you a shovel to dig a deep well of intimacy with him. Are you digging towards Jesus, the water of life? Salt Company, in your singleness, where are you digging your well to? Is it in a deeper and deeper relationship with the Lord? Is it towards something or someone else? Guys, don't be like me. I want you to say that you dug a deep well of intimacy towards the source of life, Jesus Christ. I want you to say that you leverage your singleness for all that it's worth, that you are faithful to him, that you exercise self-control over your passions. Guys, seek Jesus. He's worth it. He's worth it. Let's pray. Yeah, dear Lord, God, thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, that your plans are better than our plans. Lord, I confess that in, in my years uh, when I was single, Lord, I, I, I did not actually uphold your words of what it actually said, Lord. I idolize marriage. I idolize sex, Lord. I know you have redeemed me from that, Lord, but I confess that to you. And even, even now, Lord, if there's something residing in my heart, Lord, would you show that to me? Lord, anything that takes my eyes off you, anything that takes our eyes off of you, even if it is a good thing, it, it becomes a bad thing. Because Jesus, you, you are the ultimate thing, the, the only thing that will satisfy our hearts. God, would we not sell for anything less? Gosh, Lord, would you be with the people in this room, the salt students in this room? Would you reveal to them that you are better than their relationship status? You're better than the, the pursuits of this world. You're better than, than, than sec, the sexual desires, Lord. You actually fulfill our hearts, our souls. Would they experience that, God? You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of the praise of our lives, God. In your name, Jesus, amen.